Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Ladies, 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 happy 2024. Welcome Ooh. to the future. Ooh. Here we are. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Stafford. And you are listening to Vibe Check 2024. Listeners, we have taped this in advance, but you are hearing it in January of the new year. Hope your holidays were festive, wonderful, and bright, or at least a Cozy. fun mess. Ooh, yeah, well, that's a fun, fun mess, too. you know? Fun, yeah. Like fun yeah. mess. Yeah. In the spirit of a new year and starting this new year off right, we are giving y'all this episode a very special mailbag advice app. Unsolicited many times, listeners just ask us for advice. That's true. In the inbox, we read all these questions, and every now and then, we take those questions and try to answer them. So we're going to try that We've today. saved up some good ones. Yes, yes. Can I ask something that I've never asked y'all before? I know people come to us for advice, but are there people in your life that you go to advice for? My Aunt Betty. Your Aunt Betty? I could have guessed that. She has this clarity of vision. We're like, I'll talk to her about a problem for like 45 minutes, and then she'll be like, what about boop? And you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's a wisdom that you really don't get to acquire about life yeah. until you've like passed 50. Sorry. That's and true. And the older folks in my life have that wisdom. That's true. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. I, I go to, I think, many people, depending on what it is. I mean, you know, the writer's life, making sense of decisions and opportunities. I'm always talking with my friend Isaac, and, mm. and he's, you know, asking me a lot of back and forth. I have my Aunt Janet to get that yeah. that wisdom about life stuff yeah. and the big picture. Absolutely. What about I you? I love that. I, weirdly enough, also go to an aunt, okay. my Aunt Yvette, that I, I talk to a lot. She's great. It's nice to talk to her because she lives in the South. She is over 50 and she has no filter. So it's good to just like throw <laughs> yes. something out and she just responds really fast. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. But yeah. my sister's my person I could probably go to 
more than yeah. anyone. And we love her. Yes, just she's a great. jewel. Yeah, yeah. Um, just Monet. a jewel. Yeah, love yeah, you, Monet. Exactly. <laughs> well, also, I, I should be clear here. I go to y'all for advice <laughs> all the time. I, yes. <laughs> all we the do. Time. Actually, our group chat is yes. the advice. Well, I, think I do think that's, yeah. the, you know, the trick is, yeah, to have many people in your lives. And I think of it as collaborative. My Aunt Janet comes to me for advice and yeah. I'm always so honored. Because to me, I'm like, well, I don't want it to feel extractive. I don't want you to feel yeah. like, oh, Sai's calling again because he's come to the fount. You know, <laughs> but no, that it's like, we live in dialogue. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like well, and like in the yeah. dialogue, and I'll share this before we get into the questions, but something that I either read somewhere or someone told me changed the way and made better the way in which I accept advice. Mm. And they basically told me there are three types of conversations between mm. two people. One, I'm talking to you and I want to dump all my shit and have you hear it and mm-hmm. affirm my experience. Two, vice versa. Right. Or three, we're an actual exchange. Mm, and I'm yeah. coming to you for X, Y, Z advice or whatever. And I think a lot of times when people say they want advice, what they really want is a chance to dump out all their emotions. Yes. And just say it out loud yes. to someone who says, I hear you. And making the distinction between an I hear you conversation and a here's advice conversation mm-hmm makes the advice better. Yeah, I love that so much because I have to do that a lot with Craig where he'll come to me with something and I'll begin, he'll say a lot at me and I'll say, what do you want from me right now? Do you want me to give you my thoughts, how I would move Mm. through this? Do you just want to keep complaining? Like, give me some direction here and I'm here to do all of that for you. But like, what do you need out of this? Because some people, you know, you give advice to people who don't want advice. They don't want it. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I've been working on asking Mm. how can I best because advice or strategizing or oh my god this reminds it's you know kind of like a like a love language it's often how i'm expressing mm-hmm. my investment mm-hmm. in the other person's well-being but if someone's not looking for advice if they really just and it's fair i don't think it's necessarily like selfish or, or or narcissistic to just want to dump all the bullshit. It's like sometimes that's we what it's to. for. Yeah. But you you want some sense of being on the same page about exactly. those expectations. Yeah. yeah. Well and like what I have to do a lot when I do give advice. It's like if I feel my spiritual emotional finger start to wag, stop. <laughs> <laughs> if it's more like a well here's what you ought to do, uh, stop. You're such an auntie. Stop. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> that's my advice philosophy. Uh, well that's I'm glad you you kind of set us helpful. up there because the people that wrote into us are asking for very clear advice. So, so they we have are, questions that they want answers we are to. Answering and them, we're ready for it. And we know what they want from us, and we're going to try to give it to them today. Yeah. Well, before we get into these questions, we want to thank all of you for sending us fan mail, for sending us questions for this episode, for example, reaching out on social media. We love it. Keep it coming at vibecheck at stitcher.com. All right, girls, welcome to the future 2024, yes. ready or not. Ready or Here not. Here I come. <laughs> Let's get into it, We're shall gonna we? We're going to advise you. <laughs> there we go. All right, to get us started, we have a question from Lee O. Lee writes, I have a crush on a coworker. I'm not going to do anything about it. We work closely together on the same team and saying anything to them about my newfound feelings could invite an awkward dynamic that makes it more difficult to do the work that we both care deeply about. I think the crush is coming from a good place. I really admire the way my crush thinks about the world and cares for people. They're great at their job and fun to be around. And yes, I think they're hot. We've been spending more time together recently outside of work as friends. We'll get meals together or spend time in the park. And we've been sharing more about our personal lives with each other. 
I like the way they genuinely care about me and ask how I'm doing emotionally with things that had been difficult last year. We're both leaning into this friendship more, and regardless of the crush, I really want this to be a friendship that lasts. When I was younger, crushes were painful and humiliating. I rarely acted on them because the only thing more embarrassing than liking someone is having them know you like them. Ugh. But I want to have a different relationship with the crushes now. I want to feel less ashamed, and I believe it's possible to enjoy having a crush. It brings good energy into my days. I like having an excuse to look cute, and I love the way I feel giddy after we spend time together. So my question is whether it's possible to nurture a work crush without crossing professional boundaries. Am I playing with fire? Uh-huh. Yes, you're playing with fire, but sometimes fire keeps you warm. Ooh, that came quick. That came fast. <laughs> that came real <laughs> quick, hey. friend. Ooh. Go on. Keep going. I, I have. Okay. <laughs> I, well, this is the thing. It, it's like, you know, make a decision whether you move into this or not. But the feeling of giddiness and the feeling of that crush and the playing with fire of it all. That's just the feeling. Mm. That happens with every crush, and you get to enjoy that. Yeah. Like, the butterflies in your stomach can be exciting just for you, and that's okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't guilt myself for the crushy feelings. I would enjoy the crushy feelings because they can sometimes be enjoyable. Yeah. That's my first comment. And then I have some follow-up questions. This writer, Lee, doesn't say their relationship status. <laughs> this writer, Lee, does you not think they're say— I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they would have. But, but Lee also doesn't say if the person they have a crush on right. is into what that's they are. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Like, I don't know the gender I sexuality just, I, I persuasion assume, around here. But that's a fair point. Um, so, like, those are my follow-up questions. That said, I think that in general, with people you feel comfortable with, honesty is the best policy. <gasps> think about how you say it. But they're at work. <laughs> I, I would say two things. I would say first, I'd be like— I like this friendship, but I want to acknowledge that I have some romantic feelings. I think I want to keep them at bay because we work together. If the other person wants to pursue it further, once it's a relationship, they must tell HR. Yeah. If they're on the same team, go to HR because what you don't want to breed is envy and resentment from other coworkers mm-hmm. yeah. about someone getting special treatment. But I don't know. I think at first glance with this letter, I would say like, y'all are already pretty cool. I think they probably have a crush on you too. Say it. Yeah. Say it. Saeed. is different. Saeed's <laughs> exhaling. I am exhaling and taking a breath. Because we're in the future now. We mm-hmm. are. And we in are the future, in. we take a breath. Mm-hmm. We take a moment. Bitch, don't do it. Um, <laughs> really? Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. I'm going to reach into my past. Oh. Oh, yes. There was a was time. Was there a BuzzFeed lover? Yes. When, no. Oh, I don't know. Your coworker. That's <laughs> your face. Saeed's your face. There was a time when I was an executive editor Uh managing a team of about 30 people Uh with different levels. So no, not a lover, bitch. An (laughs) HR department is what I was trying to say. My God. Um, You know, but I will say this is where it's coming from and it is relevant. I'm pretty strict with this. You know, for six years, I was in a newsroom full of young people doing cool stuff. I was an LGBT editor before I was a culture editor, which is to say we were often talking about and assigning Mm -hmm. and reporting on work about Mm -hmm. sex relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, of different tones. And, you know, I worked with a lot of attractive people. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. There's no walking it back. That part. What I love about your letter, Lee, is that you acknowledge the boundaries And you richly describe your feelings. And this makes sense. We've all had that work friend where you're just like, dang, Mm -hmm. if only we weren't coworkers. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, if only. (laughs) Quit the job. But you are. I just think 
in my experience, sure, there are times when people, against my own advice, have started dating coworkers, and some of them are still together. And I love that for them. Yeah. But more times than not, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm skewed on this because one of my dearest friends of all time and my colleague who helped me launch the NPR Politics Podcast, and it's been a minute, the most brilliant producer I've ever experienced in my life, Brent Bachman, he married a coworker. They had a kid a few months mm-hmm. ago. And at NPR when I was there, there were actually a lot of relationships. Oh, I'm not surprised. And because it happened so much, people actually knew how to conduct them thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. Like, people knew you couldn't have a seniority gap because that makes things really crazy. And they also knew how to, like, be public about it in a way that was, like, respectful. So I had this this experience at at NPR for, like, 12, 13 years where a lot of folks were dating, but it felt mature. Yeah. Mm. So, but that said... It might vary from workplace to workplace. It, and it yeah. does. What does this workplace, does. Yes. this workplace it feel does. like is the question. Here's yeah. what I was, and I do want to hear is like what yes. you also yes. think. I, I guess my advice yeah. would be enjoy the work relationship. It sounds great. I mean, look, work yeah. is hard. Yeah. People are struggling out <laughs> if here. If you like a co so good, good on you. Yes. I love they were like, it's nice. You know, I'm actually kind of excited to get dressed and go to work because I yeah. get to work alongside this cool person. And you're like the things they value, the things yes. they care about. You know, enjoy that for what it is. And this is what I would tell you. Mm-hmm. Meaningful relationships cross all kinds of bridges. Mm-hmm. You know, my best friend, Isaac Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. we met professionally. Yeah, He was an editor at a literary magazine that had published my work. And then here we are. You know what I mean? I met you when I interviewed you. Hello. You know? So I would say if what you what you feel is real, and I think it is... Enjoy it for what it is in this context and be patient. Maybe down Y'all the road. probably aren't going to be coworkers forever. Yeah. But if mm. it's a meaningful relationship, okay. one of you might go on to do something else and then you go. Then you can. Yeah. That said, if they do choose to do it right here, right now, <gasps> tell HR. Tell HR. <laughs> tell H- Cover your ass. I Cover my, your ass. My thing with that, I have a lot of thoughts here. My thoughts with HR is I agree you do need to go to HR if you start having a meaningful relationship with a coworker. However, if it's not meaningful, you've been on like a date or two, right. I wouldn't go to HR. Yeah. If you don't even work in this HR is not your friend. HR is not your friend. HR, let's say that again. You HR, HR protects the company. It's, it's like you should tell HR. Yeah. At if some it's, point. If, you're like, <laughs> if it reaches a certain... We're dating. Yeah. Yes. We're not, we've gone on a date or yeah. we've hooked up, but we are dating. You should tell HR, but understand that HR's job is to protect the company not from liability. Exactly. They are not to protect you. Yes, and they will start looking at you as someone that has been in leadership. If I know someone's dating and then they, they might go split them to up. lunch and just start, if they oh. work on the same teams, I start questioning, are you actually working? Yep. Or are you doing mm-hmm. other you're things? You're on their radar so, now. And it's because yeah. you're now, we got to watch you. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But mine, I guess I'm in the middle with both of you, uh, between both oh, of your good. opinions. You know, you came yeah. to the yes. three of Candace, us, yes. you're going to get three yes. different. I'm tread lightly because, you know, it can get really sticky and messy. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. go south. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to, like, to go through a breakup is hard. To go through a breakup at work is harder. And mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to go through that because it is really terrible. I've never experienced it, but I have managed people and watched it happen and it never goes well. Someone leaves the job, it just never goes well. But I do know so many people like Sam that fell in love at work because right. the best place to fall in love with someone is doing something you're passionate about. Yeah. Like, so yeah. going to play tennis, yeah. going to work out. like that's like, Especially, and I get a sense from this letter that this job feels mission saving the world. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I would say, you know, give it time because there's, you're spending a lot of time together 
And it sounds like you kind of are going on dates. And I mean dates in not a sexual way. You're spending time getting to know right. someone. Platonic social, dates. Platonic dates. Mm-hmm. So like it will come, like, you know, it will rise to the surface eventually where you take this next. But give it time. Me and my partner were friends for over a year before anything happened. Uh-huh. So, you know, just like if something's worth having, it will come to you eventually. And in the meantime, while you are listening to Mother Said's advice and not pulling this trigger... <laughs> <laughs> You've also, in describing why you enjoy working alongside this person so much, described a really great partner. So I would say also you can use all of these qualities you've identified to think about other people. You know what I mean? You can maintain this great, vibrant work friendship and then also be like, well, now I know what kind of person I want to be out there dating. You know, and to me, and this is my struggle always, I've learned that one of my challenges in relationships is that I don't know what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to be happy. Uh, okay, well, what does mm-hmm. happiness look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've described an image of happiness in relationship to another person. So so that's valuable information that you can use now in real time while you are patiently not dating a couple. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I, okay, I love that. I still am in the middle there. But what yeah. I love what you're saying is people can model for you what you want and desire in the world. That's they don't powerful. have to be the answer. Just because uh, I always say to people, when a door opens, it doesn't mean you've got to walk through it. So oh, just because you, you meet this person and they show you that they're the right door for you, that doesn't mean that's the person you should walk through like, the door that with. That nigga looks know. like a window to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, also, I also never understood the whole when one door closes. Oh, open it back. <laughs> God damn. I gotta go find another door. I gotta go find another door. No, you don't, baby. Ever been in a house? <laughs> Do you know how architecture Do you know how doors work? Open it back. Never in my life. Why is this house so drafty? It feels a little... Well, you know, someone opened the door. You can't close it no more. Sam, I thought you were gonna go the more biblical route, which was... No. Which was when one door closes, God opens a window. You said no for Also, that. I don't want to climb in no motherfucking window while we're at it. So I said, I want to go through that door and that door There you go. I'm at the door. I'm at the, I was waiting at the door. Anywho, let's go. Well, they, well there you go. You, uh, Lee, you have three different perspectives to weigh. Good luck. Enjoy. You got an open door. <laughs> Figure it out. You got an have open door. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for us to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the Black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more, are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave. All right, we're back from break, and I want to let y'all know that during our entire break, Sam was cursing about Windows. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He's been ranting about Call Windows. me Jasmine Sullivan, because I'll bust the windows out your metaphor. I'll bust the windows out you your go metaphor. There so fast. You Jasmine! Uh, a legend. Jasmine. We stand. Truly. We stand love Jasmine Sullivan. All right, we are back with another question. This comes from Anonymous. I was late to the party, but I'm a loyal listener now. Thank you so much for your insight. You're welcome, listener. I am a cis gay white man. Oh, that's why you were late. It happens. Anyway, this person lives in Chicago, grew up in a progressive gay neighborhood. That's pretty cool. Sort of the grown-up alternative to the more well-known boys' town. Okay, we know that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. However, after moving back from some years in New York City, I am now realizing just how narrow a slice of the queer culture is represented here in my neighborhood. Gonna generalize. It is a very white neighborhood. The queer people of color who do live here are few and far between. I'm the general manager in charge of hiring and front of house staff training at a popular Cajun Creole restaurant in Chicago. It's owned by a white gay couple and reasonably progressive, having been open for 15 years. From your perspective and experience, what can I do to truly practice inclusivity and provide a safe space and hospitable experience for both staff and guests of color? How can I drive home the distinction between honoring the Cajun Creole culture and appropriating it? How do I honor it as mm. opposed to appropriate it? Okay. I don't know if I have any great advice because I'm pretty sure I know this restaurant. I've eaten at this restaurant and the restaurant's always been to me delicious but incredibly white and part of a long-standing practice within food of white people taking black recipes and making them more commercial. Paula Dean, somebody. Paula Dean, all these people. So I've always found it at its core a bit problematic. But where I've had generosity for this establishment because they've always been lovely to me is that when I'm there I've never felt other like I've thrown yeah. brunches there with friends a lot of black queer people there like we all feel pretty good there so I think you know when I go back to this restaurant if I was to run into this listener I would hope that I would be made to feel safe and that yeah. if I was like having too much fun or being a bit loud or whatever kicking like I wouldn't feel like I was putting anyone out or being pushed out or anything. But yeah. I don't know. I think I think it's very complicated when you're dealing with like food which has been taken from certain cultures and monetized like yeah. so many other restaurants yeah. in this country. I have two big thoughts. First, as soon as I saw the front of house staff training, to my second job in high school, I worked at Bill Miller Barbecue, this Texas barbecue chain. Mm, love that. Where there were some folks front of house and some folks back of house. Mm. And a little nasty pattern I noticed after being there for several months is that the darker-skinned employees were always back of house Ooh. and the lighter-skinned employees were always front of house. I feel like that happens There often. is a casual yep. racism that happens in restaurants a lot. And colorism. And colorism. Yeah. Where the folks who greet you, the folks who seat you, the mm. folks who treat you, they are white or close to it. Yeah. And the ones who make your food and clean up when you're done, they're black or close to it. Yeah. Mm. So I would say first to Anonymous, 
watch for that. So like, don't just have a diverse staff. Think about where you're putting all of them. That's and what is that point. saying? Yeah. That's the first thing. And then two, I would say, you know, we always think that restaurants just take in money. They also spend money. They're sure. buying the food. Mm-hmm. They're buying the materials. They're buying the stuff. Are your vendors representing the diversity that you want at uh-huh. your restaurant? Oh, Are you wow. buying black? Are you sourcing black and brown? Are Uh you sourcing queer? Uh Are you doing that? Also, you can always say 1% of proceeds this month, this week, this year, go to X, Y, Z. Try that. Mm -hmm. Try that too. So I don't know. I think there are some very practical ways to do it. But I think that it's about money and how you spend it to a large extent. Someone smart told me once, budgets aren't just money. Budgets are priorities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Budgets yeah, show absolutely. what you care about. Yeah. And so if their you, mission. Yeah, their yeah. mission. Yeah. If you care about diversifying your establishment, mm-hmm. diversify how you source your food and your materials, diversify who you hire, diversify where you give money. Mm-hmm. And that'll help. Also, beware of that front of house conundrum because it happens. Yeah. So I you know, I do not have service industry experience. So gosh, I'm learning so much just just from hearing your responses. But I will say, kind of going off of what Sam was saying in terms of front of house, back of house. I would take it a step further. I feel that institutions, this goes beyond restaurants, that are thinking about diversity often enter this phase where they bring in people of color, queer people, people of different backgrounds, but for low-level positions, and then leave them to languish there. Yep. So I guess I would also say, in addition to thinking about diversity throughout the team that makes your restaurant thrive, you know, are people having opportunities for growth, mm-hmm. opportunities to take on more responsibility mm-hmm. so that one day they can become general managers you themselves? There you know, you that to me feels like a true moment of transformation. Yes. It's not just do we have black and brown faces mm-hmm. so that we can feel comfortable mm-hmm. that if you take a picture of the yes. team, it's not all white people. But are they gaining power over time? Right. How are, are people being treated and, you know, yeah. within that space? That feels key. And then, yeah, I, in terms of appropriating versus honoring, I'm not sure I have a language to evoke exactly what that looks like, but I know what it feels like. And I would say, are people from, and not just Cajun Creole, but it seems like, you know, Black mm-hmm. folks, mm-hmm. <laughs> are they coming? Are they coming to your space? Yeah. Do they feel comfortable? Well, and are you inviting the, the like, neighborhood in? So right. I live in yeah. South LA. I'm, like, one neighborhood over from West Adams, which is a rapidly gentrifying neighborhood. Mm. It was black and brown. It's becoming whiter every day. And there's a restaurant and bar there called Johnny's Pastrami, which I was like, oh, is this just the bougie folks coming into town to, like, you know, take away the soul Mm. of West Adams? They do something really great. They invite people from the neighborhood to come in. Mm. They have local bands play. They have Mm -hmm. locals doing demos. They have locals around. Mm -hmm. And I see them making the effort to not just look for that new client base. Sure but they are incorporating folks who were there before they got uh-huh. there. Oh, I love that. So, That's, you know, yeah. this is something, you know, do you have art on the walls? There you yeah. Go. Can Where you is invite that local from? neighborhood exactly. artists? Okay, that. just bring, I love yeah, that. I like Be that. a part of your community, yes. your neighborhood. Uh-huh. And what I, how do I say this? Because I'm pretty sure I know where you work. <laughs> and and um, the chef there is a complicated person I'm remembering now. Ooh. And, um, you know, I think what you have to do in that space is to do what Sam was just suggesting, which is bring in the community, yeah. make sure that we're giving equal space and footing for black people, for brown people, for everyone that contributed to Southern Cuisine. Because sometimes we see restaurants like this one and many others that 
find themselves on the defense of being mm -hmm. called out for cultural appropriation, whatever, trying to show that like why white people created this, why white people have ownership stake in this. And I think what this restaurant needs to be is a community space of different people able to come and enjoy and yeah. celebrate it. That's what's really important here because um, we don't want it to go the other way where it's like yeah. defending and being like, I have a right, I'm from the South, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. A good question to always ask yourself in these kind of experiences is, who was here first? Who was here before me? Mm. And what might they need? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What might they need? Also, I mean, and I hope you already have queer people of color, black in folks, life. like in your life, but also literally working in your restaurant. Ask them. Yeah. They yeah. would certainly know better than the yeah. three of us. I and mean, I know we have ideas. <laughs> and, but... And, and pay, <laughs> it, but also, if you're giving them extra questions or extra work. Oh, yeah. Now money. this is consulting. There you go. There <laughs> you go. It is true. It is true. We're going to take another break, but don't go anywhere. And also, Anonymous, thank you for your question. Thank you, Anonymous. We'll be right back. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Listeners, we are back with our last advice question. I hopped through a window to get here. Hopped? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anywho, this last question also comes from Anonymous. Here it is. I need your advice. Six months ago, my husband suddenly left me and our home for his mistress. Damn. I had no idea he was cheating on me and started an entire relationship with his co-worker oh. until that very <laughs> evening. My, my anonymous. That's why Go I asked on. the other person, are Go you in a relationship yet? Anywho, this new person wrote, I had no idea he was cheating on me and started an entire relationship with his co-worker until that very evening he said he could no longer be married and up and left. Damn. It was cruel and felt like I was living a nightmare. I felt disposed of blindsided, and completely abandoned. We were married for nearly four years and shared a beautiful and peaceful life. I felt like he pulled the rug out from under me. Yeah, girl, he did. They continue, I was broken and devastated and spent four months trying to process what was happening. I filed for divorce after it was clear he didn't want to reconcile and after learning all of the many lies he told. But what threw me over the edge was learning that he left me and our home and terminated our lease. What? He left me without a home. Thank God for family. Men ain't shit. They wrote, he left to move in with his mistress and they'd be traveling together with our money. Wow. So he took the money too. Damn. I was too exhausted and felt too hopeless to fight. I was spiraling and just wanted to feel better and attempt to move on. Through therapy and spending nourishing time with my family and friends, I was able to pick up the pieces to my life again. It's been six going on seven months, and I recently started a new job, moved into a new home, and have begun dating. 
I've accepted what happened, my new reality, and I feel so hopeful now. I've learned that we were not compatible after all. You don't say. And I'm so happy we divorced before starting a family. Recently, he's been contacting <gasps> me through email and various phone numbers because he's blocked and has been begging for us to attend sessions together to heal? Listen, Anonymous, no. I got some cousins with nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> we might need to. Okay, yeah. go on. Anonymous wrote on. <laughs> Jesus. No apology, no begging to reconcile, just begging to heal together. I feel like this is completely unnecessary and even inappropriate, but I'm also confused about whether or not it would be helpful to hear what he was thinking. I would love to hear what you all think and any advice you may have. To start, Anonymous, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. so sorry this happened to you. I opened the foot of my sister's. You know, I want to echo my condolences because I feel as if your question actually has a lot of the answers already in it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'll point out a few. Mm -hmm. But because you've answered a lot of these questions and you kind of know what you need to do next, I just want to say I'm so sorry. What happened to you was awful. No one deserves that. That is a pain that I've never felt and I hope to never feel. And I just, I'm so proud that you even wrote this letter and got mm -hmm. up out of bed today. And why I'm happy you got out of bed is because you wrote, I've accepted what happened, my new reality, and I feel so hopeful now. And I think that is so incredible because mm -hmm. when you go through trauma, which is what you went through, it is what happens after the trauma that really makes or breaks you. And you got to figure out a way to get on your feet. You got to figure out a way to go on a walk, to see the light, to feel the air. And you're doing that. And this person trying to sneak back into your life and block you from that healing right now, because what he's asking is not healing. That's for him to feel mm -hmm. um, a Absolved. release from his guilt. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't deserve that, I don't think. But you deserve to heal and move on and be left alone. And um, I would say, don't talk to this man. Yeah, Let it be. Yeah. yeah, I think one regarding the way healing is being used by him, yeah. you will notice that in our culture, a lot of terms related to um, mental health are being weaponized mm -hmm. to manipulate. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an excellent... Jonah Hill? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Um, and you know, listener, you, you know what time it is, right? And mm -hmm. so I, I just want to acknowledge for other people, healing is one of those words that mm -hmm. are often... Mm -hmm. Used to manipulate because I, not to take it here, but um, it makes me think of, and I think this is his letter from a Birmingham jail. Martin Luther King Jr. talks about negative peace. Mm. That's what this person is asking mm -hmm. for. Let's mm -hmm. reconcile. Let's go back to the way that, you know, whatever mm -hmm. this person wants, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not about growth. It's not about accountability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not even about apologizing. It's let's go back to a status quo yes. that he clearly was benefiting mm -hmm. from because in the status quo, you were clueless and he was taking advantage yes. of you. Yeah. That's not healing. That's at best a negative yeah. piece. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Mm. And in every way, from the start, it seems as if this man has been acting in a way that didn't respect any kind of boundaries or rules that you had for the mm. relationship. No. The cheating was breaking a boundary and a rule. The taking your money was breaking a boundary and a rule. And now, after you've blocked him, he's using other numbers to find you. How that's go, crossing a boundary as how well. How are we going up and leave you and take your money and leave you out of home and yeah. then as soon as you get resettled, try yeah. to chase you back down? To and take also, the money again. The yeah. And also, let's be clear here. If he took 
money out of a joint account without getting your permission and then now contacts you without your permission through various phone numbers. Both of those things are maybe almost illegal. It, this man is cyber-stalking yes, you. Definitely. Like, He's cyber-stalking illegal, But at the end of the day, what they are most of all, they're non-consensual. They're not consensual yes. This is abuse. This and is so if this man has hurt you so much and continues to show disregard for your well-being because he's putting you in these non-consensual environments mm-hmm. and situations, take that for what it is and understand that he might not change. Even if you go back to quote-unquote heal, if he's still doing this shit after y'all have healed, what's in it for you? Yeah. Yeah. What's in it for you? The other thing, though, is because I, I agree with Zach. I think you know how you feel and you are understandably just checking in. Yeah. You know, it's good to kind of fact check our feelings and instincts but i think your your feelings and instincts are pretty on the money here i want to acknowledge that you know 4 years of marriage and then he does this mm. so hurtful and painful 7 months to me is not a very long time yeah. and so in 7 months and i love that you say through the support of friends and family you've moved You've got a new home. Mm-hmm. You've got a new job. Wow, look at this. Yeah. You're even dating again. This is a it's heroic yeah. second act for you. And, you know, I was raised Nichiren Buddhist. And listeners, if you if you know of Nichiren Buddhism and, and tradition, feel free to be like, this is what it is. Send me an email. But there was actually a term where basically it was like, when you're going through adversity— And you are transforming your life. You're transforming your karma, doing like real shit, real growth. There was actually a term for a dynamic where basically life will often throw something at you Mm -hmm. to try to interrupt it. Mm -hmm. And I would say to test it, Mm -hmm. to test your commitment to your transformation. Because look at what you've done, listener. Mm -hmm. Like, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, you haven't just rebuilt. I think you've probably built something stronger, more beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, you're thriving. And so, yeah, it feels even more significant than like, here this little demon comes Mm -hmm. coming back to see how committed you are to your growth. And you are worth staying committed to it. Also... I wonder if he went back to her or was trying to go back to her because the other thing didn't work out. Well, I mean, that's... Well... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean... That doesn't help anybody. Right? <laughs> well, and also, just the last thing that I want to acknowledge, Zach, you alluded to how, like, the language of this letter tells you already how she's feeling and where she thinks she needs to go. You wrote, dear listener, I feel so hopeful now. Yeah. What a mm-hmm. powerful and beautiful Protect statement. That. If Protect you feel that. hopeful now, ask yourself, will talking to this man again make you more or less hopeful? Mm-hmm. Ask that question. I'm going to sit here and guess no. Um, so don't let him take your hope. Right. Don't yeah. let him take your and hope. And look, wait, here's the gag. Okay. The other thing is, mm-hmm. he probably does want to heal. He probably is finally, because this you is realize the thing when people, wrong. Yeah. yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, th- the reason people often cross violations is they don't know they don't how realize. to pay attention to the warning signs in the first place. Mm-hmm. So there's a delayed reaction with winning people when they do, they make a violation and unlike us, mm-hmm. people who try to live with integrity, it takes a little bit longer mm-hmm. for that thought process to occur. So yeah, he probably is like, uh-oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I hurt this person that I was married to for four years, you know, but he lost the right there to you access you, there you go. and to access the kind of healing he could do in coordination there with you, you mm-hmm. the moment he violated and kept violating yeah. your relationship. Also, girl, he took your money. Girl, let me tell <laughs> and you. This economy. <laughs> and this economy. Come on That's... now. So yeah, you you've heard from us. Preserve your hope. Preserve your peace. We are rooting for you. 
No. We yeah. need to start a signal account. You no. know. Yeah. <laughs> Message us. And we're not and I will say we're not worried about you. You got everything. You got you it. You got family, friends, friends hope help. you're doing it. Don't let him take this away from you. I think if yeah. you write us in a year and say you went back and let this all and be listen, taken aback, we have to And listen, advice. he better not be ugly on top of all of this. <laughs> you know he is. <laughs> you know he is. <laughs> you know ugly of heart and mind. I can feel it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I can feel Ooh. the flatness of his Ooh. face Ooh. through God. the letter. Lord mm. have mercy. All right. Listeners, thank you for all those great advice questions. We love getting them whenever y'all send them. Keep doing so. We'll have another mailbag advice episode soon. I promise. All right. Get us an email. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com. And with that, that's our show. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode, the first of 2024. We love your support of the show. So please make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend, tell more friends, tell the people that need advice. <laughs> Go tell it on the mountain. Okay. Okay. Ooh, let's get out of here. Let's <laughs> just sing it down. All right. Huge thank you to our producers, Chantel Holder, engineer Sam Kiefer, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Also, special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. Special thanks to my dog, Zora, who always loves to hear me sing at the house. <laughs> I'm sure she does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listeners, if you want more Zora, my- blink twice. <laughs> Listeners, if you want me to reply with a song voice note, email us. Be careful. Email us. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com. Also keep in touch on Insta at Sam Sanders, at Zach Staff. There's an H on Zach. And at The Ferocity, use the hashtag VibeCheckPod if you post about us. And stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday. Happy New Year. Happy Goodbye. Stitcher. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.